0: This is From the Braves booth, and it's great to have you with us. This is episode number 40, and somehow we've made it to 40 episodes. That really is amazing. Alongside Joe Simpson and our producer engineer, Jonathan Chadwick, Ben Ingram here with you. And uh, Joe, good to see you. I know you're out this last road trip in the first three games of this homestamp. Great to have you back for this Red Sox series.
1: Good to be back, Ben. And uh, it's going to be a real tough stretch for these Atlanta Braves beginning tonight with the Boston Red Sox. So uh, we've got a lot to talk about. I know you and Jay Chad have... Held down the fort and done a great job. Uh, I listened to a lot of the games. I thought Nick Green did a terrific job. So uh, happy to be back.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And uh, two big games. And, of course, before we dive into that, our email address is bravesbooth at gmail.com. So anytime you're listening to this, whether it's today or down the road from when we recorded this, you can send us an email, questions, comments, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Before we dive into the Red Sox being here, Braves have some issues all of a sudden in the pitching rotation with health. We lost Kyle Wright here over the last few days. He's going to be down with a shoulder injury. Max Freed, as of today, placed on the IL. And if there's one place where if things are rolling along, all of a sudden you can get derailed, it's in your rotation and with health. And it makes things a little bit scary for this next stretch or so.
1: Well, it does, Ben. And um, these are two of your bell cows, you know. These are two guys you're really counting heavily on. And I'm not trying to be the Uh, doom and gloom guy here but it doesn't sound like uh, this is just going to be the kind of oh just a little little uh rest here for 10 or 15 days and then they'll be back it doesn't sound that way and that's what has me concerned is that these might uh, linger a little while Mm -hmm. and that's going to put a lot of pressure on some young guys who get called up it might put some pressure on Alex Anthopoulos who as we all know is uh very good at pulling some magic out of his hat, so wouldn't surprise me to see that happen, too, if he needed to add a pitcher.
0: That's a good point. And, and to have that happen in May, I mean, that's one thing. You've got time to figure things out. You'd hate for this to happen in September where you're on the backside of the trade deadline. But at the same time, I mean, you're, you're trying to figure things out, and all of, all of the while, you wonder when you're going to have your guys back, and if not, who steps up? Because you know you got Strider and Morton, and that's great. Um, but beyond that, and, of course, Bryce Elder's done a really nice job as well, but beyond that, all of a sudden, you've got some questions that have to be answered. And if you're going to make a trade, if this pro- it gets prolonged, a, a trade might not come for another couple of months or so. Yeah, I mean, that, that could take a while. Um, we're not even 40 games into the season, so there are lots of teams that aren't even, even thinking about being in sell mode yet. So you got to figure this thing out within, uh, I- at least in the short term, and that could be Dodd, that could be Schuster, or others. But you got some, some spots that could be open there.
1: Well, think about it. With the... Uh... Tommy John surgery for Ian Anderson that put a, a big crimp on some of your depth. Uh, yes, Huster and Dodd both pitched well in spring training. Uh, they have not really distinguished themselves just yet here at the big league level in spot starts, but that's to be determined. Uh, but that's part of your depth. And the other guy, the wild card, is Mike Soroka. Right. Uh, at what point will he be ready? He has not. He did not have a real good outing uh, his last start. Uh, but he's rounding into shape. Let's let's give him the benefit of the doubt. He's got to pitch some more, but he could be a wild card in terms of some of the depth. Let's face it, where would the Braves be right now without Bryce Elder right. and what he's done? So that's one aspect of the depth that uh, the Braves had in the minor leagues. He's really stepped up. Somebody else has got to do the same.
0: Tell you one thing that's been so good is you've gotten out to a good start. I mean think about if you have these injuries yeah. and you don't have a good start and all of a sudden you got ground to make up and you're not even 100 percent. this is a team that has been through their fair share of injuries for sure here in the first 30 plus games of the season and yet they've continued to win uh stretches without michael harris stretches without orlando arcia and max Fried and kyle wright and rossela Iglesias and uh, travis darno it's a long list um Colin McHugh. I mean, there's plenty of names you can throw on that list, yet they've continued to win. Now when you're talking about two big pitchers being out, the good news is, is you've built up a pretty big lead. So it's not like you have to try to make up ground all while being without some big-time names. You've got a little bit of a cushion there.
1: You do, and that's the comfort right now. I mean, the Braves are playing uh, almost 700 baseball here at the start of the season. Uh, can they sustain that uh, with the absence of two key parts of their rotation? I wouldn't expect them to. Uh, it'll be a, an amazing feat if they can do that, if these guys can step up like I just mentioned. Uh, but you do have a little bit of a cushion. As long as you don't rely on that too much, yeah. it's like a fallback. Uh-huh. Uh, well, we're okay. We still have a six-game lead. We still, we, uh, we still have a three-game lead. Okay, well, that's, that's all shrinking. You know, right. It's going to go away soon. Keep playing good baseball. Uh, have the offense kind of pick it up. And if there's one area of the game for the Braves, at least in my opinion, in recent days, that has to get better, it's defensively. Yes. Uh, Orlando coming back helps immensely at shortstop, but the defense has been uh, a little disappointing uh, in terms of the errors, and uh, let's hope that gets better.
0: As far as the schedule goes, it's not like you're about to run into a, an easy patch of your schedule either. No. I mean, we just saw a really good Orioles team. By the way, that's a good team. Really good. I don't know what to expect from them, seeing their record. That's a good ball club. And and then Boston's hot, and you go to Toronto, and you go to Texas, and both those teams can hit, and then you come home for a long homestand, but you see some really good teams on that homestand.
1: It's one of the roughest stretches for the next two, three weeks uh, the Braves have all summer long at a time when they're not at 100% physically. But, for example, the Texas Rangers are in first place in the American League West by two games as we speak right now. Uh, Toronto has the third-best record in the American League, third-best in the American in the AL East. Likewise, Boston, fourth-best record in the American League. They are also in the AL East. But then you have Seattle coming to town. Seattle's been playing pretty good baseball. They're close to 500 again. The Dodgers, then the Phillies. This is a real gauntlet coming up for the Braves schedule-wise, and they need everybody on board.
0: You're going to get everybody's best shot. I mean, look, I know that the Braves uh, aren't the defending champions anymore, but I think people would look at the Braves the same way in the American League. They'd look at the Rays and say, well, this is our opportunity to test ourselves against who right now is probably the best team in the National League. And I think that's where the Braves are. So teams are going to be coming in and thinking, okay, this is our shot against one of the best.
1: They're going to come in prepared, and the Braves are going to have a bullseye on them. And because teams are going to know how good they are, and it is a test for them, just like it was for Baltimore. And I'm with you. I, I can't say enough good things about Baltimore, what Brandon Hyde's done for that ball club as the manager. They've got some great young talent, and uh, we can pull for them now. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, as long as they've been at the cellar of the AL East, we can pull for them now that they're out of town. Some good
0: news is uh, Travis Darno will be seeing him. Um, Sean Murphy was just named player of the week in the National League. Yeah. It was right after. Ronald Acuna was named Player of the Month in the National League. So he got some hot bats. you got some hot players in there. And, um, and as far as if guys can just step up and give you good efforts on the mound, I don't think you worry at all about where this offense is because they're rolling and they're, they're back to being full strength top to bottom.
1: Yeah, it's great to have Travis back. I'm excited to see him play. He's not in the lineup tonight, but uh, he will be shortly. Uh, another guy is Marcel. Ozuna had a good road trip. He had a real good series down in Miami. Uh, he had, didn't have a tremendous series against Baltimore, but you know there was a low scoring series. You know, right. not anybody really tore it up. Uh, but with Marcel showing glimpses of coming around, man, that is such a positive, and uh, what an asset he could be in the lower third of the order going forward.
0: Honestly, this hot streak may have saved him, and, and I, yeah. don't, I don't know where the Braves front office was on on Marcel and the timeline for him. But think about this: you're getting Travis Darno back, so there's another option for your DH. He's not 100% in terms of like going back behind the plate. I know they kind of want to ease him into that. So it would have been advantageous to keep Chadwick Tromp, keep three catchers, and you could have made somebody else expendable uh, at that point. If Marcel were not hitting the ball very well at all, he could have been. But he yeah. is, and now you feel good about, okay, we can we can make it on two catchers. He can DH some. In other words, he's not just an empty spot on the roster anymore with a the way his bat is heated up.
1: Yeah, he's uh, he was certainly on fumes uh, until the Miami series, talking about Ozuna. Uh, now you can afford to uh, look at it another week or 10 days and see if this continues, and let's hope it does. Uh, from Darno's standpoint, I, and I intend to ask Brian Snitker this today on the Brian Snitker report, um, do they look at Darno right now as a backup catcher? in this regard that a backup catcher catches once a week maybe twice right but usually like a a Sunday day game to give Murphy a rest and you're not throwing Darno back there that often that doesn't mean Travis is not gonna hit he's gonna DH quite a bit but uh, I want to know from Snit if that's kind of the way they look at it Uh, Catching sparingly, I'll put it.
0: And if it is, that's really the norm for an average team. Yeah, it's just we just happen to have have a situation where you got two guys. that can
1: you can split it right down the middle if you want. Yeah, I mean for Travis, you know he wants to be back there, but uh, the smart thing for Travis, I think I read that this was his fifth concussion. Uh, Mm -hmm. He he's got to be smart about it too. He did catch at Gwinnett in one of the rehab assignments, caught five innings. Uh, and did a great job. I think that was Schuster's start where Schuster threw six innings and no-hit ball. Uh, but he did get, get a little work back there, so he should be ready to go if they need him to catch right away. Another guy that
0: the Braves have gotten back is Rossell Iglesias, and it's absolutely amazing how one guy, and I know it's only been two games, but how one guy can completely change the bullpen, especially when that guy is your back-end guy. It slots everybody down. Instead yeah. of pitching the ninth, that guy's pitching yeah. the eighth and, and so on and so forth. So it's put so many other guys in a better position, from McHugh to Mentor to whomever you want to name. And Russell has looked so good in the two outings that we've seen him. And if he can be healthy, then all of a sudden your bullpen takes a major step up. And that's amazing with one guy. The whole
1: outlook changed. The whole outlook, uh, thinking about how a game might be set up uh, once you get to the fifth or sixth inning with a lead and how you're going to use your, your bullpen if you're Brian Snitker. And the thing is, that doesn't automatically mean mentors in the eighth and McHugh's in the seventh and Lee's in the sixth or whatever. Then you can start matching up. Right. Then you can say, well, they've got a bunch of lefties coming up here in the seventh. This is meant This will be mentor spot in the seventh. We'll use McCue in the eighth. You know, that's how you can. That's how your bullpen gets that much better in terms of those matchups as we go along.
0: All right. Let me get your opinion on this because when you have two starters out. I think your first inclination is that a lot of that pressure falls on the other guys who come up and take over those spots in the rotation. But how much of that falls on the bullpen? How much of that, of that weight will they have to hold up on uh, with two starters
1: out? Uh, a lot. Uh, it's, uh, let's face it, no, none of them are going to be nine-inning guys. None of them are really seven-inning guys with perhaps a rare exception. But uh, if those guys come up, whoever they are, whoever fills in, if it's Schuster, if it's Dot, if it's both, uh whomever it is if it's Soroka uh the expectations will be give us a chance to win yeah be solid don't don't um uh, don't make us go to the bullpen in the third inning right and burn everybody up because we might have to do it again tomorrow night sure and then we're in real trouble you know give us five solid innings if you can go six uh all the better and and go from there the one thing I'm sure I'm guessing I'm paraphrasing or I'm suggesting here speculating that brian Snitker and rick kranitz will say to anybody who steps into these two spots in the rotation bryce elder's already kind of taken over one but is that uh, you're you're not here to fill his shoes be yourself you know give us what you've got right be the best you can be and don't try to uh, make up the difference right away
0: because if you can do that I mean, more times than not, you're going to get plenty of run support. It's not like you yeah. got to go out there and if you give up a run, you're in trouble.
1: Especially early. This is such a great first and second, yeah. third inning team. Yeah. Uh, scoring wise, it gives everybody a little chance to take a deep breath.
0: The challenges of a season that you just never know you're going to go through.
1: Yeah, it's it's uncanny how baseball, how every team goes through this. You know, uh, everybody's been talking about how how rotten the Mets are. Right. Well, are they? I mean, maybe their lineup's not as good as they were hoping it would be, and some of the guys certainly not hitting well, with the exception of Lindor and Alonso. They're certainly doing their part. Nemo's doing his part, but you know the two guys they're counting on most, Scherzer and Verlander, they're, they're they're non-existent. Right. They haven't even been a part of the team for a lot of the beginnings of the season. So uh, before everybody writes off the Mets, they've gone through the same stuff they've had to deal with similar things other teams have too houston has you know they're not in first place in the american league west they've had to deal with injuries they just lost louis garcia to tommy john let's hope that is not something that befalls uh the braves let's hope these are all temporary uh problems that can be resolved here with a little rest and uh, mm-hmm. rehab
0: hey yeah, well there's there's no perfect way to go about it there's no perfect blueprint for getting to the postseason and winning the world series but you, you just got to hope that you're healthy enough to get in there and then when you get there you got to hope that you're really healthy Let's let's and you look, never know
1: let's look at 21 braves win it all and you'd be hard pressed to come up with uh did they have any serious injuries you know was there did they miss anybody that year was anybody on the dl for a long time il not really not that i can Outside think of acuna yeah we're okay big big loss right there um But pitching-wise, I I don't remember anybody. Right. Charlie suffered an injury in the World Series. Max was slow to start the season, but that was about it. But I don't recall uh, having to deal with this kind of um, replacement, you know, for key players, key starters. I don't remember having to deal with that. And as a result, Braves went on to win it all.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. You just – I mean, you don't know what's going to happen then. You don't know what's going to happen next week. Nope. I mean, nope. This time last week, I'm sitting here thinking, all right, we're going to be in good shape because Michael Harris is back. Travis Darno's coming. Look, all our pitchers are looking really good. Arcia. Arcia. And then then you get a week later, and of, of those five pitchers, two of them, pfft, out of there.
1: Yeah, I know. Um, I just – I was – I'm still amazed at how well the Braves played wins and losses, how well they played – losing everybody up the middle with the exception of, of Ozzy Albies. Yeah. You know, with your center fielder shortstop and one of your catchers gone and um, and still be able to plug those holes and do a good job. I just uh, tip my cap to all those guys that filled in and played and carried on. That's a really
0: good point. I mean, if you, everybody's going to have injuries, but when you have them up the middle at the same time, it's yeah. typically a
1: bad stretch for a team. Yeah, and never had your closer. Didn't even have your closer yeah. for the first 30 games. That's That says something, too.
0: Uh, one other thing I want to ask you about, and this is completely you know, not related to the team at all, um, but when and I want you to go ahead and address this the way that you want. Anytime you're out, we always get the question, where's Joe? How come Joe's not in there? What's the deal? And we, we try to you know tell everybody, you you make your schedule and you do the games that you want. So it's not like you're being excluded from from no. broadcast. No. So you're out because you're just...
1: I- this is my thirty-second year with the Braves. I did five years um, of Seattle TV before that. Uh, I'm seventy-one years old now. That to me is not old, not anymore. It used not to be even close. It used to be, but um, I, I let's just let me put it this: the best way I can put it is that um, I've been on the road a lot, mm-hmm. traveled a lot uh, with the team, and it's not a question of uh the charters how how great they are or a question of the hotels and how awesome they are it's just uh it just wears you down and wears me down and I just wanted to cut back on the number of games I did and last year I did more road than home this year I kind of flip-flopped it where I'm doing more home than road I have a 97 game schedule I am contracted to do that going forward for another year beyond this and perhaps a couple of years beyond that, and I think that's a good number, Mm -hmm. and I think it will keep me fresh as it uh, hopefully is today, coming back after several days off, and it makes me look forward to being here and um, less travel. I mean, what better place to to come when I do show up than Truist Park and work with you guys? It's Mm -hmm. great. So the answer is, I just cut back. I'm down to close to 100 games, and that's a good number.
0: Very good. Well, I just wanted you to be able to express that in your own words because we get asked all the time, and I don't, I don't want people thinking that you're being excluded for any reason. That's not the case no, at all. No, no. when if you yeah, want to do 162, you'd be here for 162. Uh, that's right.
1: That's right. Uh, I'd like to think so. I mean, and, and J-Chad has started using deodorant, so that makes it easier, too, <laughs> uh, to be here in this real small booth enclosed like we are. So that helps, and um, – just makes it a joy again to come to the park.
0: Yeah, it does. Definitely does. Is he
1: going to be on the mic later?
0: He is. Oh boy. He is. Okay. We can go ahead and open up the windows if you'd like. Well, I,
1: I get some fresh air. I, I used to here. have a little fan, but I don't need it anymore. <laughs> I mean, he is—he smells of sandalwood. Yes,
0: I, I'm going to give uh, Margaret Ann all the credit for that.
1: Yeah. Oh, absolutely.
0: Definitely.
2: It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. a run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas.
0: All right, time to dive into your questions and your comments, and again, you can send us those uh, at Braves Booth. At gmail.com. That's our email address, bravesbooth at gmail.com. Let me, let me just say something before we mm-hmm. get started.
1: I, You folks send us great questions, and most of them, 98% of them, are all baseball related, and that's really great so that we can help you stay better informed. And if we can answer the question for you, there are some <clears throat> we can't read on the air, and those are the ones I like the best, so keep them coming. <laughs>
0: They are entertaining, whether we can read them or not. <laughs>
1: woo Yep,
0: yep, that's for sure. Uh, let's see, J. Chad's settling in, so he'll be able to answer some questions as well. And again, we've got, my goodness,
1: There's actually one three
0: front and back pages plus yeah. another page.
1: There's actually one I want to start with, uh, and I'll find so I can give credit to the person who wrote it. Um, but I was just reading them before we went on, on to record this, and they wanted to know... Uh, about everything that goes on with travel, and especially on a travel day. And one of the questions was about packing up all the gear, uh, how how extensive that is, what do you have to do, and no one better to answer that question than Jonathan. So, I'll, while you're answering it, Jonathan, I'm going to look for the person who wrote it.
2: Yeah, it's kind of hard to find some of these. There are so many of them, and these are front and back. I remember seeing the question myself let's see if we can find this because i want to get to all the details
1: here i got it it's from steve face on could you please share a typical timeline for events between cities there are undoubtedly many workers behind the scenes that make the travel seamless things like how long does a game after the game does the team leave for the airport um, after all it takes a while to tear down your equipment and load it the flight process arrival hotel check-in and arriving at a new city. Just a lot of geeky questions, he says. But that's from Steve Faison, the first one of the day.
2: So, typically, if, say, we're in New York and we're going to Miami like the last road trip, as soon as the game's over and we sign off the air, the packing starts immediately, and usually our buses will be leaving the stadium 55 minutes to an hour after the final pitch. So, not only all of our stuff, TV stuff, the players' equipment and uniforms and things in the clubhouse. I think everyone would be blown away uh, the amount of stuff that travels with us and how uh, everyone has a different job as far as getting stuff together to get to the bu- or to get to the truck to go to the airport. And I would I would say um, the bus probably leaves the stadium an hour. Let's call it after the game. We got to get to the airport. Once we get to the airport, thankfully, we don't have to go inside the airport, but we all get on the plane. The equipment will be put on the plane. The luggage has already been sent from the hotel, and it's already on the plane. And then once we get to the next city, there's two trucks. There's one truck that goes to the hotel with all the luggage. And there's a truck that goes directly to the stadium, no matter if it's 10 p.m. or 3 a.m., and the process starts over and there will be clubhouse attendance and they will unpack everything. They'll do laundry, they'll set up the clubhouse and the lockers. If we get into a city early enough, um, I tend to be a glutton for punishment and I will go to the stadium a lot that night. It saves me time the next day. I'll go ahead and start setting (coughs) things up and unpacking and getting everything ready for the next day. I tend to do that from time to time because it allows me maybe an hour and a half, two sometimes Uh, some cases even three hours uh, more the next day that i don't have to be there but it's kind of a long-winded answer but it is um it is crazy to think about how much we have how many people are involved you know the bus has got to be there the plane's got to be there when we land in a city buses are waiting on us take us to the hotel it's it's kind of amazing when you really think about it. i was
1: never in the military um but I, i i equate it to almost a um military type regimen and logistics to get everything where it's supposed to be in a timely fashion and we're given a, an itinerary of what time the buses are leaving what time the buses will arrive what time the ho- we should get to the hotel on the next city all those things are very detailed and that falls on the shoulders of jim lovell traveling secretary um jonathan kerber excuse me who is his assistant now who helps out in that regard it is a chore and it's a chore for you to get all that stuff downstairs in a timely fashion
2: yeah i mean and a lot of times the last game in a city i'll pre-pack as much stuff as i can but um you know you guys usually hang around as i'm packing up before i take stuff down to the clubhouse to be loaded on the truck Uh, but i've done it so many times It's just kind of a process and a routine, and I know where everything's supposed to go. (laughs) I have a spot for everything in my trunk. Um, And so, yeah, it's. uh, Imagine
0: a NASCAR pit crew moving baseball equipment. That's kind of what we have. Yeah, it's a
1: very good way to describe it. Yeah, it's excellent.
0: Uh, Hey, fellas, how do you pass the time on two consecutive unplanned days off in New York City? That's from Zach. Zach, let me tell you this our meal money was gone. I mean, (laughs) fast. You get two off-nights in New York, that's not a cheap place to have two off-nights, and we made the most out of it.
2: Beckers can't be choosers, but it would be nice if we could plan for an off-night in New York. Both of those games that were postponed in New York, we showed up to work. We went to the stadium. We got to the stadium. It wasn't uh, wasn't until after we got there that the games were postponed. And if you stay in Midtown Manhattan, just getting out to City Field is such a chore. It can take an hour plus. And so... You know, a lot of the day was wasted getting there and getting back. We did try to go to Game Six of the uh, the Rangers Devils game at Madison Square Garden that night. Uh, tickets were pretty expensive. We were close to pulling the trigger, thanks to Nick Green. Uh, we did not, <laughs> but um, yeah, we had some fun. We made the most of it. Yeah,
0: we did. We did. It's fun, it fun place to be. But uh, I think we're ready to get to Miami, and we we got down there and. Enjoyed some warm weather and some sunshine. The best part,
2: I love going to Miami. It's probably my favorite city to work in. I love the weather. I love the beach, where we stay, the ballpark. The best thing about getting off that plane last Monday night after the doubleheader in New York was filling that air. Yeah,
1: no doubt. Well, that takes us your favorite ballpark to work in. This is from Mike. What's your least favorite stadium to work in?
2: How much time do you have? Uh, No. Uh, If I had to just pick one, just because of the way the booth is configured for me, my answers are going to be very different from Ben and Joe. But just for me and my setup and the way the booth is configured, probably San Francisco. Yeah, Where it's a beautiful ballpark. That.
0: You just can't see the field. Well, I and can't you're, you're see the field. And
2: it's, it's really tight in that the the way that L-shaped desk is and I have I have no room for anything. It's kind of like once the game starts, I don't feel like I can move.
1: Yeah. How about Washington.
2: I mean, it's high up and that riser is pretty high, but there's there's plenty of space. Um,
1: okay. I probably lean Washington. Yeah.
0: That's my food is my favorite and the booth is really high. Yeah. People there are great.
1: Yeah, they are. They are. I I, I it's too high. Yeah. You know, Pittsburgh's high too, but I like Pittsburgh.
0: Yeah, you know, good
1: view. Great view. Um, they didn't build a bunch of condos right there on the river to block right. the view of the downtown like Washington <laughs> did of the Capitol. So that was from Mike. Thanks, Mike. Uh,
0: this is kind of a question <clears throat> similar to, to the one we just answered about New York. says, so you guys mentioned that you had spent all your per diem in New York during the rain delay. Uh, while you may have been kidding around, it sparked my curiosity. Can you explain how expenses are covered on road trips, hotel meals, et cetera? Uh, best broadcasters in the business. Keep up the good work. Thank you, Skyler. Uh, yes, we well, where Joe and I are, are team employees, so they give us a, a credit card. It's, it's different from the old days. It's different from how it was when you got an envelope of cash. Uh, it was you got X amount of, of dollars per day, and when you got on the plane to leave that day, you got a, an envelope with cash for the entire trip. Now they give us these um, these debit cards, and they are preloaded. So we've got those, and let's say you get, let's say we're gone for a week. Let's say we have. Five hundred dollars on a credit card, on the uh, the uh, issued card. If you don't use it all, it's still there. I have an app where I can check what the balance is. Uh, currently, mine's fifty four dollars, so I'll be ready for that thing to get hit up again.
1: Mine's twenty seven minus twenty seven cents.
0: <laughs> um, but we get those to use, and and if they run out, then we're on our own, and you can kind of handle expenses however you want. And and for J Chad, he gets his per diem through the radio station. And um, I don't know if that's, you know, you get cash or you get a car. How do you, how do, you do that? You just, just report at it?
2: The, at the end of each month for the amount of days we we're gone, the amount I get, however many days we we're gone.
0: Yeah. So that's how that works. That's a good question. And Skyler. hotels,
2: obviously, are, you know, we get to yeah, the hotel. covered by the yeah. team. We get to the hotel and, you know, we'll all have a key waiting for us on a desk and just go straight up to your room.
1: Again, excellent travel. It's just uh, one of those things that, um, for me, it's 37 years worth. Yeah. Yeah. Not counting when I was a player. Uh, This is from Kim. You guys are the sexiest booth in baseball. Thank you, Kim. (laughs) What's your secret to staying sexy with a tremendously busy schedule. Well, most of it, Kim is natural. It just comes natural. You know, it just exudes.
0: Right. So much so that it just, it kind of rubs off on us. Uh, And it it kind of helps the overall sexiness.
1: We don't have to work on it too much, but I will say Ben does work at it real hard. Jonathan is an exercise freak. He walks a lot. And I really urge him. I, I really cheerlead for him. Right,
0: right. No, that's right. When, when, it's like they say, when you got it, you got it, right? We got it. That's yeah. right. That's right. Uh, let's see here. Um, here. Here's one that's the opposite of what we just answered a little while ago. Hey, guys, love the show and every broadcast. Um other than your booth, where is your favorite place to broadcast when you're on the road? That's from Cam in Moultrie. Favorite place? And it's funny, we get asked these questions a lot, and, and I feel like I never can give the same answer. I feel like it's a, a collection of ballparks, and there's just a, a list of probably eight to ten that I really, really love. I know we love Seattle last year. I love the vantage point in Arizona. I love uh, the vantage point in St. Louis. I, I know it's not J-Chad's favorite, but from where we sit in San Francisco, it's great. I like L.A., I like San Diego, I like Colorado. It's hard to pick just one. Fenway, of course, is amazing. Mm-hmm. Um, to me, it's just a collection of really great places that I enjoy that I don't, I don't know that I could pick just one of those. Miami's good, too. I love Miami's booth.
1: Yeah, I don't – I don't. Um, there's just, it's easier to say the ones we don't like. All the rest are <laughs> pretty darn good, and uh, the vantage point is really good. And like you said, I, I – my favorite park is still Fenway, and I still love going to San Francisco and seeing that view. Uh, if I could spend the nights, when we're in San Francisco, if I could just stay there and not go into town and right. not be exposed to downtown San Francisco, I would. Boy, howdy. It's kind of tricky through there.
2: Woo. You know, it's funny, too. A lot of the ones you guys like because of the vantage point, like, I can't see. Uh-huh. You know, you mentioned a lot in the NL West. I, You know, L.A. is... It's a hard ballpark to work in because it's so loud. Um, San Diego, I can't see. Um, San Francisco, I can't stand. Arizona's
1: (laughs) good. Arizona's Arizona's
2: good. good. Colorado's
0: fine. Here's an interesting thing, too, though. If you were to ask your favorite, J. Chad, and our favorites to work in and then ask us what are your favorites to go to as a fan, you'd get completely
1: different answers. Completely different answers. Yeah, you'd have to have three categories. Yeah,
2: you know, like New York, we were just there. I sit back behind you guys, and the way those windows open, there's a big column in the middle. So I watch TV most of the night. Philadelphia is pretty good. Miami's Miami's great.
0: Yeah, Miami is great. It really is. And, and maybe they don't have much on atmosphere in terms of a bunch of fans there. But for for what we would never say, Miami is one of our favorite places to go if we were a fan going to a game. But for working a game. Good food, huge booth. J. Chad can see, which means he's not complaining. We have lots of room where we can spread all our stuff out. It's great. I think we all love it across the board. Um, Hey, guys, love the podcast. Uh, And I'm reading this question because I just love this guy's name. Uh, As a kid growing up during the Braves heyday of the 90s, memories are a little fuzzy. What do you guys remember the most from the Braves in the 90s? What were your favorite parts and favorite memories of that Braves run in the 90s? That's from Justin Beers. In Dayton, Ohio.
1: Yeah, cheers, Justin. <laughs>
0: I mean, winning a World Series in 95, that, that comes in at the top of the list. But I think the the unpredictable nature of 91 and maybe the end of 92, pretty amazing stuff. I mean,
2: if you're a kid growing up in Atlanta, Georgia in the 90s, you know, the worst of firsts and the 14 straight division titles. You know, I was born in 1982, so I remember a lot of 90s baseball uh, here in Atlanta. It It doesn't get any better. All they did was win. You know, sure, some negative people may say, but they only won one World Series title. Okay, but they were there, like, what, four times in the 90s? Or Yeah. So, I mean, just a ton of Five, winning. Five, actually. Five. Yeah. Yeah, uh, that's right. 91, 92, 95,
1: 96, 99. Yep. Mine was um, chasing down the Giants. You know, we were 10 games back or something, not a whole lot different from last year. We were 10 games back at the break behind the Giants, and chased them down. And we beat them by, I think, one game. We won 104, they won 103, something like that.
0: That's going to be my question. How much did last year remind you of that?
1: A lot. It was a lot because it was so gratifying. Uh, At the time, uh, Braves are in the National League West, of course, and maybe a more natural rival was the Dodgers in that division. But the Giants now had Barry Bonds. You know he had gone from Pittsburgh to San Francisco, so he's over there now. And we're chasing him down, and um, it was just fun. It was mm-hmm. just great mm-hmm. every single night. Carried so much weight, and to win it the way we did was uh, phenomenal.
0: That's why when when people have asked me about the last few years, I'd say, well, look, nothing touches what happened in twenty twenty one. But what happened last year? I I know that the postseason didn't go the way that we wanted, but that was unbelievable. That stretch to the finish. And, and winning by one game and sweeping them here, it, it, was, it wasn't as exciting as winning a World Series, but it was just under that. It was, it was an amazing story. Very
1: gratifying. The, the other part of 93 uh, was that's com- comparable to last year was that the team spent so much energy, uh, expended so much energy getting past the Giants that they had nothing left for the Phillies right. in the NLCS. And uh, same with '93, and that, that's what I'm saying—that they just couldn't. Yeah, and, and yeah, ironically, it was the Phillies again. Uh, just not enough left in the tank to overcome that. Yeah,
0: good stuff, man. It was fun. Um, let's see. Uh, oh, here's a good one. This is from Jeff. What's the biggest compliment you could pay Alex Anthopoulos?
2: Uh, that he's always looking to improve the ball club and make them better? Yeah. Yep. No stone unturned.
1: If I had, um, uh, just from my standpoint, uh, what I know of Alex, uh, I don't work under him, so I'm not in there in day-to-day and all that stuff. But I think a sign of a, a really strong leader is the ability to delegate and listen to other people's opinions and thoughts, and I think Alex is outstanding at that. He's willing it's not a dictatorship and not just
0: his guys in his room either that's
1: right that's right he's he's calling former players he's at, trying to find out personalities of people that he might be interested in he'll call whoever he's got to call to find out uh the nitty-gritty about somebody yeah. and i give him a lot of credit for that john Sherholtz was good at delegating john Sherholtz relied heavily on his scouts you know when he was maybe interested in making a deal at the deadline Tell me about this guy. How is this guy going to make us better? All those things. John was awesome at it, and it showed.
0: Right. I'll give you one more. I mean, if there are moves that you like, moves that you don't like. I think the thing that I keep going back to is you got to trust him because look at the scoreboard. I mean, it's five straight division titles on a World Series championship under his watch. Says it all, doesn't it? It does.
2: Here's a good question from Ken. I'm getting married next month. What's your biggest piece of advice to a long and happy forever marriage? Tell them. Tell i you guys Well, I've that. only him, been JC. married a little over a year. You've been married a lot longer than me. Yeah. And talk about, you know, a long, what do you say? A long, happy, forever marriage? Yeah. You've been married to Kathy for how long? 45. Okay. What's your advice?
1: Well, I was going to say you should answer that because for a lot of people, a little over a year is a long time for some people. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, my, my answer is you gotta laugh you gotta be able to laugh you gotta have a sense of humor you gotta laugh at each other and not take yourself so seriously and think that uh, uh, you're number one you're never number one um, doesn't matter if you're the husband or the wife you always put that other person first
2: Ken I would say um been at it a little over a year now I'm still learning this but pick and choose your battles in the end <laughs> there's a lot of things that really just don't matter when you think about it that's a good point point. and yep. I'm, I'm still learning but i'm getting better
1: and just so you know we're working with ben a lot and getting him ready
0: i'm over keeping notes just like ken is i'm, yep. I'm listening to you guys <laughs> i have no answers for this
2: <laughs> like you know a good example when i come home from a week-long road trip and the house looks completely different it's been rearranged or there's You know, just just keep your mouth shut. You got a pun on that one, don't you? It's just the way she likes it, and it's fun, and it doesn't affect me or anything that I do. So just let her do it.
1: (laughs) I remember when I first got married, um, we needed a new television, so I, I went out and bought one, brought it home, had it on a nice stand, and thought I'd really done a good thing. And first thing Kathy says to me was, "Did you ever think maybe I'd?" Want to go help pick it out? Had never crossed my
0: mind. Right. It did after that. <laughs> <But> <laughs> you thought you were doing a good thing. I thought
1: I was doing a good thing, but I realized, huh? Yeah, this is something I always just did, and yeah. now I better uh, make sure that it's a joint decision on some things.
2: <laughs> uh, um, I got one go here ahead.
1: from Baron uh, Ben, Joe, and Jonathan. Just wanted to start by saying you guys are the best. Okay, we thank you very much. Uh, My question is for Joe. In your playing and broadcasting years, are there any outfielders you have seen that have a similar arm to Ronald Acuna, better or similar? And, Baron, I have two guys that come to mind immediately, really a third, but I'm not going to include me in that. Uh, (laughs) Ellis Valentine, who played primarily for the Montreal Expos, had probably the strongest arm I've ever seen. He was a right fielder, played in the big leagues, and um, my goodness, big, strong guy, and he could really cut it loose. Uh, similarly, Dave Parker for the Pirates had a really, really good arm. Um, he made a great throw. You can pull it up on YouTube, I'm sure, on uh, the All-Star Game in 79 in Seattle. He threw out, I think, Brian Downing of the Angels at home played on a play at the plate with just an unbelievable throw. So Ellis Valentine, Dave Parker come to mind immediately. And the reason I'm patting myself on the back was because I could do two things well. I could run and I could throw. And the thing that I worked on really hard and was proud of was my throwing because I was extremely accurate. Can't tell you why, but I was very accurate with my throws. So that was my, my claim to fame there.
0: And you, you, every now and then you see an arm that just stands. It's one thing for an arm to stand out. I mean, you see guys that go up to the plate and do amazing things. Or, but when a guy's arm stands out, it, it really stands out to me. And I, I love going to watch old clips of Roberto Clemente and some of the throws sure. that he made and yeah. um, you know some of the guys that you mentioned. I, the, the play that Ronald made the other day, I watched that, and, and my, what I said on the broadcast is, who makes that throw? There just aren't many guys who can just routinely make plays like that. And when arms stand out, it's one of my favorite things.
1: Well, and we used to take infield and outfield practice every day. So we practiced throwing every day to the bases. And that really helped us and helped certainly helped me with my accuracy, but it helped everybody's arm get a little stronger. They don't do that anymore. The thing that was remarkable about, uh, about Ronald's throw, I almost said Andrew Jones, and Andrew had a great arm too, uh, didn't mean to leave him out. Um, but Ronald almost threw that ball flat footed. Yeah, he came to the ball beautifully. He got behind it and he came to the ball going in the direction toward third base, like you're supposed to do. And then he kind of stopped and cut it loose. Yeah, it wasn't a big follow through and it was on the money and unbelievable velocity. And he did it practically flat footed.
0: And that was one of my favorite things about it is watching. What he was doing before he made the catch that lets you know, if you're in the ballpark watching that day or watching on television, you knew something was about to happen. Uh-huh. He was preparing it. You had, you had a brief second where you knew, okay, buckle up, because this thing could get good. And his approach to it was perfect. And as I'm watching the thing come in, and I, I was, I'm was i watching Hayes take off, and the first thing in my mind is, does he not know who's in right field? And, and did he not see the way he was coming to the ball? Right. Yeah. And, uh, and I'm, glad, I'm glad he ran because yeah. it was – it's a lot of fun making that call. That's for sure. It's yeah, just amazing to watch something like
1: that. I love Michael Tonkin's uh, reaction too because oh, he, he threw one pitch and got two outs, and yeah. it wasn't even a ground ball. Yeah,
0: <laughs> threw six uh, six pitches in the inning. Yeah, and man, he was fired up. Yeah, that was awesome. Uh, let's see here. I've got one. Uh, where was this? It was about okay. My question is: Why is baseball the one sport? Where no field's dimensions are exactly the same measurement as far as the outfield wall goes. Why is this? If a player like Aaron Judge takes advantage of a short porch in New York, wouldn't that skew home run numbers to some degree? That's from Amanda Mitchell in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. That's a really good question, Amanda. And it's one of those things where you could be around the game for a long time and not even think to yourself, now, why is that? I know that in Major League Baseball, if you look up the rule book, and this is really bizarre. There is a rule that states there must be a minimum dif- distance of 325 feet from the plate to the nearest portion of the wall. And you'd say, okay, well, there are shorter distances than 325 feet along Major League Baseball, P- Pesky Pole in, in uh, Boston, or the right field wall uh, down the line in New York, or so on and so forth. There are tons of measurements that have been had to be approved by Major League Baseball. Um, San Diego, I want to say, down the line, approval. So it seems like they rubber stamp all this stuff in the face of what the rule book says, and, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that's exactly what it states. Um, but there are lots of unique angles and and things like that that Major League Baseball has approved and said, yeah, sure. Now if a team came out and said we're going to have a 225 foot left field line, well they'd say oh, we're not going to do that unless you're going to build a wall that's a, you know a mile high. Um, I think when the Dodgers moved to, to la and they're playing at the coliseum it was what about two something down the line it was with that huge net 40 foot net and you knew that a new ballpark was coming in a few years right Uh, but to me that adds to the charm of baseball that you can have different dimensions and different yards different fence heights different wall heights different types of walls Uh, the dimensions of the bases exactly the same mound supposed to be the same all that um, you couldn't have a larger plate in one town than the other, but I think it is charming that you could have outfield walls and distances that vary.
1: Who, who is the writer?
0: Uh, from Amanda in Murfreesboro, um, Tennessee.
1: Amanda, also keep in mind, too, uh, that some of this, um, I'll, I'll say, is kind of grandfathered because most all of the old ballparks in the first 50 years uh, of the past century were built in neighborhoods. And the dimensions of the stadium were dictated by streets right neighborhoods they had to cram the the stadium into certain areas to can be configured along street uh dimensions or uh diagrams so they're squeezed in there. Fenway Park is a great example uh-huh. you know you got the green monster because it lands down street right behind it they couldn't they couldn't go back any farther so that uh, coupled with the the construction of new stadiums along the way, uh, made it so that there is no there is no longer the cookie cutter dimensions that yeah. uh, existed. I think Mick, back in the seventies.
0: Another good one. If you look at Wrigley Field on a map and you look at the four streets around it Clark, Addison, Waveland, and Sheffield, it's not a perfect square. It's almost like a diamond. Uh huh. And and there's a reason why you have. I think Wrigley has the deepest left field pole. In major league, basically like three hundred fifty-five feet, uh-huh. but it's the shortest to left center in major league baseball. Right. So, and that's unique from that standpoint because of what you're talking about, fitting that stadium into the footprint that they were given by the city at the time when they constructed the facility. And it's amazing you could fit it to that, and it just adds to the charm of the dimensions that have lasted right. for hundred years. Right. It'd be
2: pretty boring too if every stadium was the same. Agreed. Part of the um, allure of going, getting to visit all these stadiums, I think, is – each unique in their own way. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's awesome to go to different ballparks and see what they have.
0: Ben, Joe, and J-Chat, I absolutely lo- love listening to the three of you, love your camaraderie and all the banter between you guys. I have a two-part question. Joe, when you were playing, how much input did you have regarding your jersey number, and did you have a particular number that you always preferred? And then two, Ben and J-Chat, if you were players, what would you have preferred your jersey number to be? That's from Bobby in Valdosta.
1: Bobby, I always um, my favorite number was six, and I never got to wear it in the big leagues because everywhere I went, uh, somebody already had it. Uh, when I got called up to the Dodgers, Steve Garvey was number six. Uh, when I got traded to Seattle, Julio Cruz was number six. When I got traded to Kansas City, Willie Wilson was already number six. So um, by and large, most guys are just – they may be given a choice – of uh, an option of, say, three or four different numbers. Which one do you like, as long as it's not taken. And um, my first number in the big leagues, and you're always happy to have it when you get called up, was 38 Uh with L.A. And the next year, uh, I was given 17. So in the big leagues, my numbers were 17, 18, and then 9. And I took 9 in Kansas City because every time I looked down at it, it was a (laughs) 6.
0: That's a good way to do it. There you
1: go. <laughs> and what would you guys, what would your number be? I've always liked 37.
2: I, if I played for the Braves, I couldn't wear it, but three. Hmm. I was always number three, um, even through college. And, um, you know, growing up as a kid in Atlanta in the 80s, I don't think I have to tell you why we're number three.
1: No. Why 37, Ben?
0: It, it just always followed me. It always pops up. It's always it just randomly comes up in my life all the time Hmm. it's kind of weird and i've explained it to people and they say that uh, that's stupid and then a 37 (laughs) will pop up while we're in the conversation with each other that's happened before so uh
1: there's several letters on here um and i'll just pick one out here this is from david gerard or gerard uh and they're talking about the city connect uniforms he says um he's enjoying the seven game leave he said i'm okay with the city connect uniforms since they're based on one of our old unis." But I'm a traditionalist. Love our home white. And for the road, the gray looks good. Keep up the good work. I'll be listening in Finchville, Kentucky. Um, There was also a person who wrote who thought the lettering on the the numbers on the chest of the City Connect uniform were kind of odd. I think we, by and large, like the City Connect uniforms. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we like them a lot. Um, But traditionally... If you have a uniform, and let's say some teams wear uh, sleeveless uniforms, wear the vest-type uniform, your team logo goes over your heart. It usually goes on the left side. That, that's the tradition and the number on the right. So that's why the A for the A is on the left side, and then you can put a number on the right side if you want. Mm-hmm. But that's why if you're doing it right, the logo should always go over the heart. Yeah, that's a good one.
0: This is a good one there, there there's some city connects that are all over the place i know that the reds and the orioles are both having theirs released in the next like week week and a half two weeks something like
2: that i saw something on twitter um the baltimore city connects did leak uh, look like they leaked and there were a lot of uh let's just say unhappy same orioles. thing
0: with cincinnati cincinnati had some socks leak that had a a C logo on there that was different from what they normally have, and people Hmm. were up in arms over that. I find that kind of amusing.
1: I I just hope Baltimore has a big old um, likeness of Boog Powell right in the front. (laughs) I think that would be perfect.
0: Yeah, that would be good. Um, Yeah, there's so many different directions. Here's what I do like about the City Connects. I might not like them all, but I do like the variety of them all. Some are more traditional than others. Some are just way out there, and I like how – I, I'm, I'm interested anytime they get released to see what this team did with their opportunity at, at City Connects. That's fascinating.
1: Yeah. Um, here's something that will generate some probably some differences of opinion. This is from Logan in Memphis, Tennessee. What's your favorite place to eat or favorite food in the battery? Also, the best place to golf in Atlanta. Uh, I'm going to throw out my favorite two places to eat in the battery: Super Rica. Is that, is that right? Uh-huh. Super Rica Mexican food is just awesome, and Mac McGee's, which is an Irish pub, I like both of those places. Yeah,
0: good call. I'll take Goldberg's, and mm-hmm. they have multiple locations sure. around the city. I love yep. Goldberg's.
2: Goldberg's is always solid. I'm with Joe on Super Rica, um, pretty good little spot. Best place to golf in Atlanta, Joe? Uh,
1: well, I've been a member at Atlanta National since Don took me out there in 1992, so I got to I got to put Atlanta National Golf Club out on the north side, uh,
2: right in there, but some.
1: You know, throw a dart at, at, at a yeah, was, map, and there's just beautiful golf courses everywhere. I was
2: going to say, Logan, uh, it probably depends on your connections and where yeah. you can and can't get on, because there's uh, great golf courses all over town.
1: Yeah. Setting down. Mm-hmm. Atlanta Country Club. Atlanta Athletic Club. Uh, what, what is it? Sugarloaf At Francoeur, is a member of River uh, Club. River, River Club. Good grief,
2: yeah. Country Club of the South. Oh,
1: yeah. So... It's hard. It's hard to go wrong in Atlanta with golf. East Lake,
2: where? East Lake. <laughs> oh yeah, I heard of it. <laughs> heard of that one. Uh, Here's one from Michael. You guys are going to Toronto on your next trip. What's your favorite thing about the Rogers Center? I'm interested to get there this year. Have you seen the changes? No. So they have a brand new outfield wall. Some of the different. Uh, dimensions of the wall. The height of the wall changes. It's a darker blue color. Um, it looks like they've done a lot of things to the inside of that place. I think the last time we were there may have been nineteen. Sounds right. Eighteen or nineteen, yeah. somewhere in there. Um, Nick Green was with us. He was. We've we been there since then. I don't. I don't believe so. That's when you forgot your passport and it your is. luggage. Uh, don't do that That's again. a Story
0: for another episode.
2: Yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm interested to see. Uh, what they've done with the place, I'd say what's my favorite thing about it? The roof.
0: Yeah, I think so, too. There was, the last time we were there, there was a night where the roof was open, but it, it's still kind of a canopy out, out in straightaway center field, and it was just a gorgeous sky, and you got the, the CN Tower that's you know standing tall down the first baseline. One thing that I really like, and fans would never know this, and you might remember this, J. Chad, the, the guide wire that goes from the backstop that mm-hmm. comes straight up, mm-hmm comes in our booth it anchors in the ceiling above where I sit mm-hmm. yeah. so, so I, yeah, I could reach up there and shake it Yeah, and yeah. put a vibration in the backstop
2: it'll like where I sit where I'm stationed like I'm like looking right down the middle of that god wire so it's kind of cool it's like the, well,
0: <laughs> <laughs> well not, I understand but maybe it's in your view but I, it's just cool that something down there is connected to something that's right above our booth
1: you're talking about those dimensions Jonathan uh, apparently they brought some of the fences in too and It's not like they were having a hard time hitting home runs in that ballpark. The ball jumps there, so it'll be interesting to see how that that works out for the Braves.
2: They fill that place up, too. It's a great fan base, so it's fun in there.
1: Let's talk about that for a second. I wanted to bring that up today, and this is a great point to do this. Um, I I sent you a text earlier today about um, some attendance numbers that were troubling to me. Uh, Kansas City, Arizona. Uh, both had about 9,000 people. Uh, maybe it was Pittsburgh and Kansas City. Arizona hmm. had maybe 12. Cleveland had 12. Uh, I know they were Monday nights. Uh, Baltimore. Baltimore had 12,000 people last night. They had the first place raise in. Baltimore's in second place, and they had a horrible crowd. And that, that bothers me a lot, even on a Monday night.
0: All those teams you just mentioned, there's really only one that's having a bad season at this point. Yeah.
1: There's Good City. teams. Yes, yeah. agreed. Agreed um so i just that's a little drop in
2: it's it's never ending you know we talked about being in miami last week they're a lot better ball club i know that you know we went in there and did what we normally do but they they got off to it to a decent start and they just can't find a way to get people in there
1: i know we get spoiled man they are much better and you're right ben we are spoiled rotten sure are
0: here's one that's way out of left field Uh, I was recently reminded that Ben and J. Chad had a strong interest in the progress that SpaceX has been making with space travel. What were your thoughts about the recent Starship explosion? Keep up the great work. Also, the Braves' hot start this season has been a lot of fun, and you guys are doing a great job with the broadcast. Seems like Apple picked up on the huge uproar of people who prefer their local broadcasters over the national guys, and one can hope... that that will translate to more opportunities for you guys that's from steven and i'll start with the last part steven that is really cool that something that that apple has done for the apple tv games you have the option and i've seen people discover this on twitter from other people and they're so excited to see it there are audio options anytime the braves or anyone is on apple tv so you can listen to the fine broadcasters that they have or if you'd like to listen to the radio broadcast of either team you can switch to that And that audio is synced up to what you're watching on Apple, which is really, really cool. And I know lots of people have listened to us and synced up our audio to that. Um, And that's a really good option and and a good thing for baseball fans. As far as the the Starship explosion, look, uh, I know that... uh, I
2: don't remember having a keen interest in that.
0: You and I had a conversation about it on... um, Guys night out during the COVID year. That's been three years. But we had we were following it on a rocket launch, and we were bummed because the weather kept the rocket from launching. I, I, I went to uh, Cape Canaveral one year during spring training to watch a rocket launch, and that was one of the most powerful things I've ever seen. That was amazing.
1: They are incredible.
0: But, uh, yeah, what SpaceX is doing is, is really mind-boggling
1: stuff.
2: Here's a question from Beth. Do you guys have much interaction with Brian Snivker? and does he like y'all
1: he likes me beth <laughs> probably need to stop it right there but yeah yeah i in fact we're gonna have to get to the branch Snitker report here in just a few minutes so. yes we are um no we all get along with him i think yeah we love him and he likes us yeah he's a funny
0: man he is and and we've said multiple times man I, i'm gonna miss the day where he's not traveling with us and decides to ride off into the sunset because it's it's fun to be around him
1: yeah and and the cool thing is, we're all happy for him, for for he and Ronnie, his wife, who um, you know they they toiled, I'll say, so long in the minor leagues, and to be enjoying this at um, as they near the end of his baseball career to to enjoy the so-called fruits of victory. This is awesome for them.
0: Yeah, it is. Um, here's one more from Jen. Do you guys stay in really nice hotels on the road, Jen? Fortunately, we stay in the best hotels that I've ever stayed in my life, and. That's the benefit of getting to travel with a team. They put us in great places that maybe we, we, we wouldn't normally stay. So that's been awesome.
2: Yeah, if I'm traveling traveling on my own in the off season, I'm typically not staying in the hotels that we stay. A lot stay. more Hampton <laughs> Inns and
0: <laughs> Double Trees. which they got the great
1: cookies, you know. Anything uh, else? One last thing. This is from John, and this is for me and you, Ben. Uh, I have to admit that I laugh every time you guys get on Chad. It's entertaining as hell. That said, there has to be a few good things about the guy. Can you name a few? Oh, yeah. We can name a ton of good things. Yeah. Um,
0: He's extremely punctual. He has everything in check. Everything's in line. Nothing is a surprise. If there's an issue that suddenly pops up on an audio level, um, he gets it fixed very quickly. Anything with equipment, fixed quickly. And uh, I just don't think that there's anything we can throw at him with work that's going to catch him off guard. So we know we're in good hands, and therefore we feel very confident in the job we get to do.
1: Yeah, I would second that. And um, as he said earlier, sometimes on the road he'll go to the park the night we arrive just to make sure there are no uh, surprises the next day and be ready for us when we walk in so that everything's neat, tidy, and ready to go.
0: And he's not as cheap as Nick Green.
1: (laughs) Oh, oh! I don't think I knew that. Yeah. Oh, Nick. Okay. Boy, I going to have to get up here and defend himself at some point. Yeah. Come on
0: up, Nick. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Nick didn't want to go to the, the hockey games. It was a little bit too expensive. Yet the two guys who never played in the big leagues. We're like, Let, let's pony up and go.
1: Yeah,
2: so right. Hockey game, game six. Madison, Madison Square, Square Garden. Garden. Yeah. And because of Nick, we wound up not pulling the trigger when we should have. Tickets got more expensive the closer we got the puck drop, which I thought the reverse was going to happen. The yeah. opposite was going to happen. Yeah.
1: But he'd and, rather go uh, to a foosball
2: tournament. So we wound up going to dinner that <laughs> night. Uh, Clearly
0: that... we've gotten over it.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Right. <laughs> oh, boy. Poor Nick. No, he did a great job. We loved yeah. having him on the yeah. road. Well, that'll wrap up episode number 40 of From the Braves Booth. Hope that you tune in tonight. Braves and the Red Sox game one of two. And uh, Red Sox in town for two ball games tonight and tomorrow. And then we're off Thursday and back on the road again. Seeing the Blue Jays and then the Rangers. And uh, feel free to shoot us an email anytime, bravesbooth at gmail.com. And uh, till the next time, for Joe, for j Chad, I'm Ben. You've been Inside the Braves Booth.